Hello and welcome into TYT's A Conversation. It is your host, Adrian Lawrence. Today I have joining me Varun Nakor. Yes, that's the AAPI Victory Alliance Executive Director. Thanks so much for joining us, Varun. Good to be with you again, Adrian. All right, so we are a little under a week out from the midterm elections. And I know that polling among Asian Americans in battleground states is a big issue right now, particularly because of new reports showing that there is a significant non-economic issue for the AAPI community. What is that exactly? Yeah, so we polled over 2000 Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders in battleground states in late summer. And really um, significant is the fact that gun violence is the top non-economic issue uh, amongst those polled. And this was uh, frankly something that existed between the five major sub-ethnicities within the API community. And so it's really significant for the first time ever it's showed up that uh, prominently in a survey. Wow. And why would you say that that has now become a leading factor? And that's particularly the case that it's so bothersome right now. Well, no doubt, you know, shortly before the survey, we had the horrible massacre in Evaldi, Texas. I'm, I'm in Texas through the end of the election, and I've been here since late summer. And I can tell you sort of what I'm seeing on the ground amongst the API community is the overwhelming concern not only of guns, particularly of guns, but just the fact that we've had so many school shootings lately. But also this survey came along the heels of what happened in the supermarket in Buffalo as well in a largely predominantly black neighborhood and mostly blacks were you know, murdered, you know. And so I think these these things that have been happening much more commonplace lately uh, it's something that I think for the first time Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders have said, you know, enough is enough here. And, you know, for decades, frankly, we've had folks from the right tell us it's it's all about the Second Amendment, right? We, we, we you know, need to have these guns to protect ourselves, to hunt, et cetera. But Unfettered access to guns is now reached, I would say, a breaking point. If you can continue to layer on the many breaking points that we've had over many decades, but I think many APIs have finally said it. Enough is enough in there. I think really in this election, going to take that into account when they go into the polling booth and when they fill out those early ballots and absentee ballots, and they're going to hold politicians accountable. That is good because we definitely need to see some meaningful change out there. Uh, Whatever the issue is that necessarily uh, is the impetus for it. I think we, all of us in terms of progressives are looking forward to there being some kind of meaningful change in terms of our leadership. And so also uh, in this research that you did in terms of taking the temperature, getting the pulse of what is uh, a very meaningful issue to AAPI voters, what else did you find? Well, obviously, the economy, jobs, inflation, that resonates amongst the API community and across all communities, all Americans right now. That is consistently showing up as the top issues. And obviously, those are all in the economic bucket. So what's really interesting is despite the fact that we've got very low employment and the fact that you know Americans have essentially gotten 
uh, richer during the pandemic, for the most part, right? Uh, we are still seeing concerns about high gas prices and inflation. Uh, that being said, America has the lowest inflation rate than any modern economy. And, and so I'm not sure uh, folks really take that into account when, you know, when, uh, you know, they've got to live paycheck to paycheck like many Americans are. Uh, but at the end of the day, right, it's essentially Putin's gas tax uh, by, uh, you, you know, uh, essentially invading his neighbor in Ukraine and causing gas prices to spike up all around the world. It's the central driver to all this. And I think President Biden has just has done as good of a job, um, frankly, than any president could do. And yet I think it is, has even achieved more in his administration passing the Inflation Reduction Act and ensuring that you know we do whatever we can to bring down costs for everyday Americans. Yes, and also when we talk about everyday Americans, particularly that impacting the AAPI community and concerns when it comes to going into um, you know dropping the vote in the ballot box. Uh, in terms of the battleground states, what else are you seeing in terms of things that really are striking people? Well, it would, it's interesting. So I, I'm an avid poll watcher, perhaps uh, to my detriment, uh, it keeps me up late at night. But I can tell you this, that honestly, looking at the numbers, not much has shifted these last several weeks as we enter the final week before election day. And so the polls that frankly uh, were in place uh, several weeks ago and the numbers, they've really stayed the same strikingly. And so the generic ballot, you know, how do you feel about electing a Democrat versus a Republican? That stayed very constant, it's plus or minus. I would say one, one and a half points um, to either side. So really no shifts there. What that means effectively is that today, if the election were held, the, that we would end up almost close to net even. So if obviously the Democrats have a, a, a very loose and simple majority right now, they would maintain that majority. And so what we are seeing today is uh, frankly, not holistic change in a lot of the polls. There is a concern that there's been a lot of junk polls coming out of the right. And what that means essentially is uh, polls coming out from very low ranked pollsters. Uh, the website 538.com ranks pollsters by how good they are, how uh, transparent they are with their methodologies. And so the last two weeks, we're seeing more and more polls essentially flood the zone. So really low ranked um, uh, pollsters that are aligned with candidates on the right who are pushing out polls that have got very sketchy methodologies and are essentially trying to game the system. And by that, I mean 538, realclear.politics.com. They take an average of all the polls and they say, this is what we're seeing in terms of the net movement um, on the left and the right. and it. The national narrative, because I think a lot of media is picking up on this, but the national narrative is, oh, the Republicans are surging towards the end. But when you really look at all the methodologies of the polls and the actual polls themselves, we've really seen very little movement these last several weeks, which frankly is bodes very well for Democrats, frankly, because uh, 
we were not really supposed to win much. Uh, we were in this election. We were supposed to lose the House. We were supposed to lose seats in the Senate, and we're not really seeing that. So at the end of the day, uh, you know, even if the Democrats lose a few seats, we may lose the House. Certainly, it was always expected to do so anyway. And so, with these kind of shaky polls that are out there. Uh, is the um, the kind of the goal out there to sway people who are Democrats so they don't necessarily even bother voting? Is that what they're gaming for? Exactly. Yes, exactly, Adrian. And so they're gaming the system and these averages, which are touted on every national news network. Uh, you know, jur- journalists right now are obviously in this competition to write the latest narrative, right? And so when they see these polling averages trend in one direction or another, they jump on it, They and, and, and it's this bandwagon effect. And so everyone is writing stories about how uh, you know Democrats are in decline and Republicans are surging. And it is very much serving as almost a psychological warfare uh, amongst all the polls because uh, candidates and I would say political entities know that <laughs> a lot of folks are watching what's going on in this very important election and and they're trying to game the system but we're fighting back these last uh you know 7 8 days before the election getting folks to see look you, you know honestly you shouldn't be looking at polls anyway if you're you know a, a voter and you're not really in the business because if you're not in the business you don't understand how these things can be gamed um at the end of the day uh every american whether you're on the left or the right or in the middle uh, you, you know, you just need to get out and vote because that's the only thing that can change our system, and not <laughs> not watching the polls. Absolutely, um, yes. For various reasons, we find that polls may not necessarily be as reliable or as predictable as we had originally forecasted. So, getting out there and voting is so incredibly important. And so, I echo that sentiment that people should be going out voting or getting in their votes by mail. Whatever needs to be done, get it done. Yes, please. All right, so in terms of the short amount of time that we now have between now and the midterm elections, what is something that you think people definitely need to keep their eye on? Or maybe it's a particular jurisdiction. I think on one level, right, we've got battles in the Senate. I think we're hearing about that every single day, the the very pivotal Senate race in Pennsylvania between John Fetterman, the current Lieutenant Governor and, and, and the the TV personality, Dr. Oz, right? So that's gonna be one pivotal race to watch because the Democrats currently uh, don't hold that seat. It was Pat Toomey who is not, uh, Senator Pat Toomey who's uh, decided not to run for reelection. That's causing this open seat uh, in Pennsylvania. So that could be very pivotal if uh, on the East Coast as the polls close, we see that Fetterman is leading and even wins this election it is likely gonna be a good night for Democrats. That's one leading indicator. Another leading indicator could be what happens in the Senate race in North Carolina between Republican Ted Budd and Democrat Sherry Beasley, who is a sitting Supreme Court justice in that state. And so if the Democrats end up having a good night in Pennsylvania, if the Senate race is really close, or actually even goes towards uh, uh, Senator Beasley, uh, Senator-elect Beasley, then it's gonna be, I think, a almost a resounding sweep across the nation. Now, if they remain, if, if both of those races remain tight, it's gonna be a little bit of a longer night for all of us. 
All right, then. Well, I think it's something we're all going to have to keep our eye out uh, watching. Thank you so much for joining us. That's Varun Nakor, AAPI Victory Alliance Executive Director. My pleasure. Good to be with you again. More conversation, more Adrian Lawrence, and this time. I'm bringing you the COO, uh, also the Chief Advocacy Officer of Reform Alliance, that is Jessica Jackson. Thank you so much for joining us, Jessica. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, so I know right now with the midterms approaching, being less than a week away, that I think 72% of likely voters say that crime is an extremely or very important issue. It definitely seems like people are very concerned right now with crime. How is it impacting how they vote going into this midterm election? Absolutely, I think coming out of the pandemic where we were all in our houses, we weren't outside a lot. We're now coming back outside over the course of the last year, we've seen crime much higher than it was during the pandemic and in some areas a little bit higher than it was before the pandemic. Uh, so people are have that on their mind and as they're coming into the elections, it is an important issue that people are voting on. Yes, and if we want to increase the sense of public safety, because even if it is a matter of something that is operating in people's um, subconscious or even in their conscious, uh, what are we gonna need to do? Well. I think that the current crime that we're seeing is really an indictment of the system that we've got. It shows us that there are still some very large systemic issues that we haven't dealt with and that we need to really start addressing. So I'm hoping that when voters get to the ballot box, that they're looking for people who aren't just pledging the same tough on crime laws that you know we've been trying for the last five decades and seen terrible results from, but that they're pledging innovative new programs that are going to address some of the underlying reasons why people are actually committing crime instead of just locking people up and traumatizing them and making it harder for them to succeed when they come home. And the thing is that I'm seeing a lot of individuals who are working on the front lines in terms of advocacy and doing work. They're noticing that a lot of this perceived spike in crime isn't a reflection of what's actually going on on the ground. And that it's essentially being hyped up oftentimes by those on the right because it means that there's more justification to continue to fuel money into our criminal justice system as well as our policing system. So what do we do in terms of addressing people's psyche when they're really being fear mongered into voting for a particular group that is not necessarily going to spend money or use resources that would actually better our society? Yeah, you touch on a very important point. Uh, The prison industry, and yes, it's an industry, it's billions and billions of dollars a year being poured into incarcerating people with really, really bad results. So on a national level, we see recidivism, meaning people coming home and ending up back in prisons and jails at about 68%. Now that doesn't mean that 68% of them are committing new crimes. In fact, a lot of them are ending up going back into the system because they were placed on probation or parole and had horrific conditions placed on them that you or I probably couldn't even meet. So they're ending up back in the system on a supervision violation about 40% of the time. We need to start there, we need to stop this revolving door 
of people coming out and ending up right back in. And you know, we need to find the leaders, the elected leaders who are really going to take this problem on, who are going to make sure that people have housing, make sure that people have access to mental health services, make sure that people have access to substance abuse treatment if they need it, make sure that they're able to actually get jobs when they come home um, or find jobs in the first place. Make sure that they're actually doing things that are gonna prevent crime as opposed to just reacting and locking people up. And I think the media is absolutely hyping this up. Uh, it's clickbait for people. You know, anytime there is a crime, media is there right away to to address it and and to um, get it out there. You turn on Fox News any night of the week. You see Tucker Carlson jumping up and down about you know crime happening in inner cities and and how we have to elect Republicans to stop it. It's just not true. And what we're really seeing is that the same systemic issues that were there before the pandemic are still there and still need to be addressed. Yeah, absolutely. If not, I would even argue that they've worsened in part because of the pandemic and really showing just the lack of conscious care of people in terms of these facilities and ensuring that they are safe and protected as well. So it's it's as you noted, it is it's a business and is very much a problem and a reflection of the brokenness of our system. And I know that at Reform Alliance, you all do work on being bipartisan experts, bringing people together, reaching across the aisle and seeing what needs to be done. And what would you argue needs to be done here when it comes to politicians, particularly because we're seeing such a partisan push when it comes to creating this fear mongering for people to assume that crime is spiked and it's going up in their area and whatnot. So when it's the right really leveraging this to justify continuing again to funnel money into policing as well as the criminal justice system, what do you do with that in terms of these politicians? Well, Adrian, I just want to take a step back and say, you know, it's really both Republicans and Democrats that got us into this situation, unfortunately, and that have continued to run on these tough on crime politics. You look down in Oklahoma, very important race going on down there, the the governor's race. Governor Stitt, who is running for office down there for re-election, he actually did the largest number of clemencies in any one given day. And the Democrat who's running against him is using that against him in her campaign, is trying to smear him for the criminal justice reforms that he has done. So we see you know, the Willie Horton effect on, on both sides of the aisle. And it's really taken both parties to get us into this, this mess. And that's why at Reform Alliance, we believe strongly in pulling together both sides of the aisle. And the way we do it is we build the most unlikely coalitions you've ever seen of faith leaders, business leaders, local elected politicians, people who've been directly impacted. And we go to our electeds and demand real change and demand that you know folks on both sides of the aisle actually address the problem. So I think the main way that, that we can solve this at this point is by showing that this really shouldn't be a partisan issue. This is a people issue. Absolutely, and I would argue that meeting the people's needs would be what lawmakers are supposed to do. But I know that kind of sounds ridiculous to a lot of people out there, particularly our lawmakers, but I'll leave that at that. In terms of other things that you are focused on right now, again, given that the midterms are literally right around the corner, what is Reform Alliance really putting at the forefront in these last few days? 
Well, Reform Alliance has had uh, an incredible three years. We started in the wake of Meek Mill's incarceration, who was our co-chair. He was incarcerated for a sentence of two to four years, not because he had committed crime, but because he was on probation and he broke one of the conditions on the probation um, and and popped a wheelie in a music video and actually broke up a fight that was happening at the airport. Uh, And his judge decided that that was enough to send him back to prison for. Um, So once he got out and and actually uh, had his underlying uh, conviction overturned, he started the Reform Alliance along with a very unlikely group of people, including Michael Rubin and, and Sean Carter and um, many others that are just an incredible force. And because of them, you know, we've been able to pass 16 bills in 10 different states over the course of the last three and a half years. Uh, we're still continuing with our state work. That's where the majority of the 4.5 million people who are on probation or parole are. Uh, but we're also now starting to work on the federal level. You might think that's absolutely crazy. Um, given that you know Congress is is so divided right now, and these political times are just so divided, uh, but we've actually been able to build a pretty good coalition and and get lawmakers on both sides of the aisle to agree that something needs to be done about federal supervision. Um, we can't continue down the path of spending all of our resources on incarcerating people when they're not even committing crimes. Um, And we need to actually give them a real meaningful chance to succeed. So I'm really excited to continue our state work um, and continue to be pushing for the federal bill. And then also to be continuing to working directly in communities. We've started doing job fairs. Uh, We did one in Madison Square Garden, one in Philadelphia. We're gonna continue to work on those all across the country, helping people who have been systems impacted get jobs and move on with their lives. That's fantastic. It sounds like you are helping a lot of individuals who have been roped into our carceral system to be able to find opportunity. And those, um, I know you had authored, I guess, at least 16 bills that you were were able to get passed. Uh, What were they focused on? Was there any particular issue for each one of them? Or were they uniformly, you are pushing for a very, uh, very similar kind of change just at different levels or different locations within state governments? All of it deals with supervision and all of it is designed to not just help people who are on supervision and treat them with more dignity and help create a pathway for them to earn their way off sooner. Uh, But they all also increase public safety. So we're using evidence-based practices that we know are going to free up resources uh, that can be used on, on preventing crimes and that are actually going to make us safer in the long run. That's great. Um, Can you give us some examples of this evidence-based approach that you're taking? Absolutely, I'm I'm super proud to say that this year we were actually able to pass a bill down in Florida that creates incentives uh, for people who are on probation to get off of probation, either by bettering themselves through getting an education or by continuing to hold down a job and getting work credits. Uh, We were actually able to get uh, Governor DeSantis to sign that bill into law. Um, We've also been able to get some of our legislation passed out in California, which put a cap 
on uh, supervision out there. So you can't be sentenced to more than two years for felony supervision, one year for uh, misdemeanor probation. And that way, you know, we're not expending resources to just keep people in a system that's really just trapping them um, for 10, 15, 20 years. We're able to save those resources, invest in their well being and success. Fantastic. And so for anybody out there who wants to get involved with Reform Alliance, where should they go? Yep, you can follow us on social. Reform Alliance is on uh, Instagram or on Twitter. You can go to our website, reformalliance.com. Fantastic. That is Jessica Jackson, COO and Chief Advocacy Officer of Reform Alliance. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you.